Hi, this is Ben Lowell with Back to the Bible Canada's Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. John, it's great to have you here. It's great to be here. You know, we're looking forward to today a conversation about biblical friendship, what it looks like, what it means, and how to apply it to our daily lives. We're also going to have the opportunity to have guest Isaac Dagno, who's the leader of In Doubt Ministries, and he's going to talk from a young adult perspective, as that's what his ministry does. It reaches out to young people today with the concerns of faith and life. So, John, let's go to the Word. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. You know, it was back in the year 2000 that a man named Robert Putnam came out with a book which was titled um, Bowling Alone. And Putnam found out that in the year 2000, there were uh, more people bowling in the United States than ever before, but there were fewer bowling leagues and there were fewer uh, corporate gatherings together at bowling alleys. In fact, what he found is that more and more people were bowling alone. And he found that symptomatic of culture in general. He found out, first of all, there were fewer people that were involved in church. There were fewer people that were involved in civic groups, in political parties. There was less volunteerism than ever before that was going on. People were living alone. Well, what does the Bible actually say about friendship? Well, one of the things that you ought to know is that the Bible doesn't have a chapter in it, like friendship chapter 1, verse 1. But you do find a number of places in the Bible where friendship is mentioned almost in passing. But if you take some time with those passages, well, it's fascinating to find out what we discover. I'm going to take one such example, and it's the example that I think most of us are familiar with. And it's an example of a man named Jonathan and his very good friend by the name of David. I'd like to tell you a little bit about how those two men met. David had just finished killing Goliath on the battlefield. And after that battle was done, well, 1 Samuel chapter 18, and let me read it to you. It says, and as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. And then verse 3 says, then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. So it says it again. What's fascinating about that text is that sometimes that text has been used to make it sound like David and Jonathan had some kind of a sexualized relationship because the word love is constantly used there. But there's nothing sexualized about it at all. In fact, let me set it in context. Jonathan probably at this time was in his, you know, either his late 30s or maybe his early 40s, and David would have been a 15-year-old lad. David had this incredible courage. No one else had the, the courage to walk out onto the battlefield to face Goliath. I am convinced the reason Jonathan didn't go on the field was because he was his father's son and he was heir to the throne, and you were not going to risk the heir to the throne on the battlefield like that. So David steps out as this young guy, and of course, you know the story. He's got a sling in his hand and he kills the, the, uh, the giant. And immediately, I mean, you can almost imagine Jonathan's eyebrows raising and saying, who is that guy? And he loves him immediately because he sees a couple of things in him. He sees courage. He sees a passion for the God of Israel. He sees a passion for the people of God. He's ready to put his life at risk. And Jonathan says, that's the kind of a guy that I'm attracted to. And he begins to love him immediately. Now, as their friendship grows, you see the friendship as the kind of a friendship that actually sees two men who have a joint passion together. 
They love each other because what they see in each other is the very same passion, and they begin to rely on each other to actually stir up that passion for the God of Israel and for the people of God together. In other words, they're doing stuff together, and they're uniting with one another. But that friendship over time gets to be tested. So I've been reading from 1 Samuel 18. I want to take you ahead to 1 Samuel chapter 20. And this is a part of a longer passage in which King Saul, who's Jonathan's father, it wants to kill David. And, and in the middle of all of that, Jonathan has been, argued, uh, has been arguing, listen, David is no threat to you. And in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 30, it says, Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. I mean, you know, we've got all sorts of ways of saying the same thing today. And then in verse 31, listen to what Saul says to Jonathan. For as long as the son of Jesse, that's David, lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. And it was in fact true. David presented a significant threat to Jonathan becoming the next king of Israel. And Jonathan was completely aware of it. And here's something about their friendship. Their friendship actually superseded their own personal desires and wants. I mean, think about that. Jonathan was heir to the throne, but he said, if it comes down to either the throne or the carrying on of this friendship, I'm going to choose this friendship with David. Now, if you've got to think about that, because what would cause him to do that? Because we live in a world today where all sorts of corporate executives climb the ladder, and in the way in which they do that, I mean, they jettison friendships all over the place. If you're in the way, well, I'm just going to get rid of you because I've got a goal in mind. And so in our culture, goals, accomplishments, who we become, how well we're known, what people think of us is more significant than the kind of relationships that we have. But what we find here in the text of Scripture is that Jonathan says, yeah, but I don't know of any other person that shares my passion for the God of Israel and for the people of God more than this man. And no matter what happens, I'm not going to break this relationship. So the two men deeply, deeply love each other. And does that sound strange to you? To talk about love between two men and not to sexualize that in any sense of the word, but rather to talk about it as a deep abiding affection. See, I think that's what we're missing in our world today. I think there are friendless men and women who go through life without one other person who shares a joint passion with whom they can trust even their lives and who know that this friendship cannot be violated. Now, if that's what you want, I, I want you to keep listening because I think the Bible gives a pattern of those kind of relationships. And I think... That's the kind of relationship that God meant us to have. We were created for relationship. We were created so that our church experience would be a place where we find men and women who share a passion with us and we join in these deep commitments to our God and to one another for the fulfillment of what God has. So this is about friendship. And in fact, the Bible speaks about friendship very deeply. Hi, and welcome again to Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. John, looking forward to our time today to have this conversation about friendship. But we also have another friend with us today, Isaac Dagno. He's the ministry leader of Indoubt Ministries with Back to the Bible Canada. 
Isaac, can you tell me a little bit about InDoubt, what it's all about? Yeah, well, InDoubt is a ministry that's catered, uh, I would say, or embraces the sort of young adult generation. So 18 to 30, and obviously with overlap, this is a time where lots of questions come up. Uh, the ministry is called In Doubt because for, for many young adults, they are in doubt about so many different issues in their life, not the least being their faith, but also who, what friends they're going to have, where they're moving out to, the courses they're taking in college. There's so many new questions. So we want to bring the gospel to the relevant issues of life and faith that many young adults face to cultivate conversation. And we do that primarily through a weekly conversation that's on radio and also online where I talk with a Christian leader that is an expert in whatever area that may be yeah. uh, and just ask some questions to help you know, cultivate this kind of conversation around these things and ultimately help young adults think critically and biblically about things like worldviews, sexuality, mental health, abortion, pornography, multiple issues that for many churches it's kind of a taboo topic. You know, and this is a great resource for young people, it really is, or for or young adult pastors or whatever the case might be because I know you can go to indoubt.ca and you can see literally hundreds at this point of different interviews you've had about different issues that uh, face young people every day. So that's, that's fantastic. And thanks so much for being here today. Of course. Let me ask you, though, uh, in, in the coming days, you'll have a new interview coming up about the topic that we're going to discuss, and that's biblical friendship. Yeah. So why did you feel it necessary to talk about that issue to young adults? Yeah, well, it actually started last spring, and I had a conversation with a Christian counselor by the name of Jonathan Holmes. He's actually a pastor uh, that preaches, or no, I shouldn't say preaches, but pastors at Alistair Begg's church down in Cleveland, yeah, Ohio. Yeah. And uh, his name is Jonathan Holmes, and he wrote a book on biblical friendship, and it really sparked my interest. I was like, why, why is he writing this? So I started to read the book, and at the very beginning, he started to kind of uh, address these kind of fake scenarios of, you know, Jane, who's been at her church for eight years and just still has never felt like she's connected with anybody. And here's Rob, same thing, it's not connecting. And he's in the, with, at his youth group and there's all these cliques and he's just alone. And the church should be this place that accepts and, you know, obviously disciples one another in this, in this love. Uh, but they just weren't experiencing that. So I think for my generation, at least, there are so many connections. And Facebook, Instagram, that hasn't really helped because they use the word friend so flippantly. But we have all these connections that we have, yet so little intentional biblical friendships. Yeah. So yeah. that's why we need to address yeah. it. Yeah. And, and I wonder, well, I don't wonder, I think it's true. It seems somewhat symptomatic right now. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of people who say, well, the reason I go to this church or I don't go to that church anymore is because I can't connect anymore. Right. Is, is that an issue with the church today, John? Yeah, but I think people need to connect in a local church for a number of reasons. Yeah. I think they need this whole, you know, the experience of worshiping together, mm -hmm. uh, the community. Um, I think they need to partake in the Lord's table as communion, communion with Christ and with one another. But they need to also formulate these rich friendships, which are not just friendships, but they are side-by-side uh, -side relationships in which we band together for the sake of the kingdom. And since we have a common mission and a calling together, I can't carry out the goal that God has given me unless I'm joined by a band of brothers and sisters. That's a great point, a great point. Isaac, what are some of the characteristics you would suggest of biblical friendship? 
What does it look like? Yeah, well, first you have to just look at friendship in general. Friendship would consist of association, obviously. You have to be associated with someone to be a friend with them, whether face-to-face, digitally. There's a loyalty there, but there's also this affection. So I I can be an associate with someone and loyal to them. Uh, For instance, I worked in the food industry for six years. I think you did too. I did. Back in the day. Yeah, I did. And and you, you, you know, you respect those that you work with, but I don't, I don't have an affection for Dorothy, who was 60 years old and I was 14, you know, when, when I was working at McDonald's. Like, there was no soul knitting going on there between Dorothy and I, which is probably a good thing. But uh, there was definitely association and loyalty there, but friendship comes when there seems to be this affection. I was talking with a guy named Sam Alberry, and he is a same-sex attracted man who's a pastor in the UK, uh, but he believes in what the Bible says about sexuality and marriage and just a really faithful guy. And I was talking to him and he just simply said, a friend is someone who knows your soul. This is someone that you've shared your deepest burdens with. This is someone that you've you know, shared your, your greatest joys with. They know, they know you. It's, it's, it's more than just going to a concert or going to watch a game together. There's something about that that you know. But you hit biblical friendship right there when you said, friendship is side by side. It's not, C.S. Lewis in The Four Loves talks about you know, lovers looking face to face. Uh, but friendship is shoulder to shoulder, it's side to side, looking at one goal, and that goal is the kingdom. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I, I think I want to add to that. I think men and women approach friendship in a different fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, women are very much more adept at sharing uh, intimacy in the way in which they feel about one another mm-hmm. and feel comfortable in sharing that, at least in our culture. Right. Uh, men tend to look for things that they can do together. Mm-hmm. And if they do them well together, they can begin to form that kind of an affection that you talk about. But men slide into that relationship in a different fashion. Um, And so uh, I think one of the phenomenons in our day, uh, Ben is, and and Isaac, that that men tend to be friendless. Mm -hmm. Um, Women do as well. um, But however, it seems like if you're a local church, Mm -hmm. the amount of women's group always far supersedes the amount of men's groups simply because the way men approach that. So how do we deal with that? I think we need to help men find those things that they can do together. Mm -hmm. I think churches need to be intentional about that, but it just can't be like we're all going to go out and ride a motorcycle together. We're all going to go out to the lake and fish together. We've got to talk about something that we could accomplish together for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the kingdom. Now, that's key to me. Yeah, yeah. I I think of, uh, you know, soldiers in war. For instance, yeah. there are some really strong bonds and friendships that will last forever by two people that you would never think, two men that you never would think would be friends back in their hometown, but because they're in war, they have a, a goal together. They're going to sacrifice for one another. They're going to forgive one another. They're going to exhort and rebuke one another in a very strong and, and powerful way. Even just think of two players on the same sports team. Same thing. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're facing a goal. You're saying that you know men are doing something together. That's how they form those bonds. Mm-hmm. One thing I would say though, uh, you know, you say we've got to be intentional about finding things for them to do together. I would also say the other thing we need to say to culture and the church is that masculinity, manhood, um, isn't this, you know, uh, isn't just this sort of facade of being strong and being a man's man and keeping, you know, your, your heart shut off from the world. I think what it takes to be a man, I mean, we look at some of the biblical uh, men in the Bible, is to be open and vulnerable about, about who you are and what's going on in your life. And I think any woman would say that they're more attracted to a man that's open and vulnerable than a man that's all shut off and just has big biceps or something like that. So yeah. I think we also need to say that, that being a man doesn't mean this very cold, stubborn kind of thing that the culture wants. Well, that's interesting. You know, we're going to talk more about this right after the break, and we'll talk about some of the specifics. How do we become a friend 
uh, to other people, particularly for men, but for women as well. So join us again in just a few minutes right after this break. Well, welcome back to Truth and Life today with Dr. John Newfeld and our special guest, Isaac Dagno from Indo Ministries. And we're going to continue our conversation about what biblical friendship is all about. What is authentic biblical friendship? But one of the things we want to discuss, first of all, is that, that tension uh, between why people might not want to be in friendship yeah. in our culture today uh, because of the sexual nuances of it and that kind of thing. Can you speak into that a bit? Yeah, you know, it's interesting to me because I've mentioned Jonathan and David and I remember in, my, in a university class, I mean, we were being told Jonathan and David had a homosexual relationship because, you know, they loved one another and they outwardly expressed love for one another. Uh, you know, we've been in a number of different cross-cultural settings. In Africa, in India, you see men, for instance, walking hand in hand together. There's nothing sexualized about that at all. You know, one of the famous sonnets say, how do I love thee, let me count the ways, yeah. is between a man and a man, but it's not a sexualized sonnet at all. Right. We come from a culture where we used to be able to talk about uh, men and men and women and women expressing love for one another, and there was never that sense around it. But I think our culture has become an over-sexualized culture, and we often don't know how to do anything except sexualized relationships. And that's just stunted all other relationships. I think that's part of what... And that ends up being in. our aim and our goal in all of our relationships as well. Then. Yeah, we're always trying to figure out our own sexuality yeah. instead of just understanding who the other is without sexuality at the center yeah. of the thing. And, and even to add on to that, the fact that there is no marriage, there's no sexual intimacy in heaven yeah. is really powerful because yeah. even in a marriage, the most important thing is not the, the sex, it is the biblical friendship that you are growing because that's going to go into heaven with you and your wife. Yeah, yeah. Now, Isaac, Endowed Ministries, you're focusing on young adults. What are some of the challenges and implications for young adults in respect to, to friendships? Because there's a lot of inauthenticity or non-authenticity out there, but we're looking to help them find and develop real friendship, biblical friendship. Well, I think the first thing, which we kind of touched on a little bit, but just to quickly rephrase it, um, it's really important for, even for me when I started to study this, and for others, just to simply know that biblical friendship is side by side looking at Jesus in the kingdom, and you are doing this together for one another. So, for so many, friendships are merely for the friendship itself or just for the other person's self-worth. Uh, so for instance, um, I, I know a, a story uh, of, a, of a girl in high school that said that she only wanted to hang out with girls that were uglier than her so that she felt most pretty out of the group. So we're so cultured, especially in, with the internet and everything in my culture, to uh, my generation, I should say, uh, to be me-centered, focused on yourself, consumeristic, whatever you know satisfies me, I'm going to get onto, and we treat our friendships that way. The same thing. So, uh, you know, so many friendships uh, around my age group are—they're only friends because it's just serving themselves in some capacity. And as soon as that friend or that group stops satisfying that thing in you, um, for instance, if these girls' friends started to look prettier than her, then she would drop them. Um, because the reason is this friendship is not intentional. It's not, it's not looking at something together, so, it's just looking at one another. So can you have or pursue friendships opposed to biblical friendships? Like can you have both? 
or can we only pursue biblical friendship? You know, if I can just jump in here yeah. for a moment. I mean, I think friendship is what we were created to be. I mean, we are relational beings and we long for and hunger for relationships. So if we're living outside of relationship, we're in a sense, we're dehumanizing ourselves. Yeah. So, you know, it's very easy for a believer and a non-believer to be friends. I mean, they may have a common interest, they might have a common passion, and it ends up being a very deep passion. Maybe their passion is just talking about what the meaning of life is. Mm -hmm. I think all of that makes rich friendships happen. In fact, I would encourage believers to enter into these kind of you know, relationships that carry on for many years with, with all manner of different people. But then there's the biblical friendship, and we need to have that in our lives. Absolutely. Yes. Right? Absolutely. So, so how do we encourage people in that respect? What are they looking for? Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, there, I think of two things. If you want to start a biblical friendship, if that's like, I want to do this with someone, the, fir the first two things that you need and what you need to look for is first a desire in yourself to want Jesus. I'm not going to be going to seek out biblical friendship for the sake of biblical friendship. I need my own heart, my own desire to want to gain Christ. I think of Paul in Philippians when he says, I, I'm okay to suffer the loss of all things for the sake of knowing and gaining Christ. Because that needs to be your goal. Like Think of Christian in the Pilgrim's Progress. He didn't leave the city, uh, his old city and his family to go seek a friend. He, he was seeking to, the, go, to go to the celestial city, and then he met faithful. He met these other people along the way. They didn't seek each other. They saw, they kind of found themselves beside each other seeking, seeking the I think that's themselves. the issue of two walking together, yeah. and they can't do so unless they've agreed to do so. Exactly. So they have this common goal that they seek together. Yes. And, and, and I, let me say that, I, you know, my wife has done this very well. She has a very special friend. Both of them have done women's Bible study. They have a passion for inductive Bible study. They do it together. And I have looked at that longingly and said, man, I wish I had that in another guy, right? That's <laughs> yeah. a fact. Well, I think that's a th the key, isn't it? That pursuit, that, that like pursuit of God is going to shape our friendship and yes. draw our friendship together. Isaac, thanks so much for being with us today. Man, and thank you for the ministry you're doing for young adults through InDoubt. And uh, remember, you can go to indoubt.ca and find out all you need to know about about Isaac and the ministry there and all the good that they're doing and any issues you think that young adults might be interested in, I encourage you to go there. And in just a, just a moment, we're going to take a break now. Uh, Dr. John and I will be coming back just to, just to finish up and, and leave you with something to apply uh, to your thinking about biblical friendship. Welcome back to Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. We had a great opportunity, John, to talk mm -hmm. to Isaac yeah. about the many aspects of, of biblical friendship and the importance of biblical friendship. I think it's important right now, though, to, uh, to allow our viewers to take something away with them. How can they apply what we've been talking about in respect to biblical friendship? Well, Ben, I think one of the reasons why this is such a relevant topic is because this is what people long for. I mean, there's this, this inner sense that folks have I just don't have one person in the world that I can say that person is that kind of a soulmate that I walk through life with. It's just missing. I would say the place to start is to acknowledge that's the need that you have. That's why God created you. So begin to pray about that. So I think that's the first thing that I would do is to simply acknowledge it to myself and desire it. 
Uh, then the second thing I would say is begin to look around uh, in your own church, begin to look around where you work and, and ask yourself, I mean, who are the people that are there um, who share the passions that I have? And then take the initiative. I mean, don't constantly be waiting for people to come to you. Be that person who begins to be a friend. Notice the other. Ask yourself what it is that they need and how can you be something that they need in their lives? I think both of those things work. And the common thing they, they should have is that desire to know God better. Absolutely. I mean, foundational behind all of that is uh, that God created us for himself. That's a relationship. I mean, we are relational in every sense of the word. It's what it means to be in the image of God. Thanks so much, John. And thanks for watching Truth in Life Today, Biblical Truth, Engaging Culture.